Sage is fighting the fight. He has fought cities. He has fought counties. Politicians. Naysayers. Hell, he's even fought mayors. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide. And all other things considered homeless? Yes. Broadcasting live from your Alexa device, the Radio Free Network app, iOS, WMBU.org, Many Voices United, and the RadioFreeNetwork.com. And now, from some wooded area in Akron, Ohio, here is Sage the Rage Lewis. Naysayers and mayors. Is that intro a rhyme that I didn't really realize? Naysayers and mayors. They're about the same people, naysayers and mayors. <laughs> What's up, party people? Another exciting episode of Sage Against the Machine. Sage yelling into the wind and nothing happening. It's pretty much it. Pretty much my life. I just yell and nobody gives a shit. They found out. They found the secret. You just ignore me. Nothing happens. <laughs> Had them on the run for a while. I was scaring them with my big bad words. Now they're like, eh, whatever. Just, just sage. Well, we're going to have to see about that. We got to run for office, party people. Uh, there's no other, there's no other way. We have to take over our own government. We must get these lousy, no good, rotten politicians out of politics. What you're going to find in the history of humanity is everything moves to corruption. The greedy people end up running everything. And usually there's two forms of greed. Money and power. And so... That's uh, who runs the world. Greedy people. And then, like, regular people who just really want to have a, a decent life get rolled. They get steamrolled. Happens time and time again. And so we have to fight against that force of nature. We have to fight against the inevitability of tyranny because it's not inevitable we are more than them <laughs> there's way more of us than them way more 
you watch this movie, uh, 12 Years a Slave? My kid, man, he's into, like, he picked two doozies. He's, uh, he just turned 17. He's really into film, and he's like, we're watching hardcore films, like, every night. You know, none of us meet the Fockers kind of crap or, you know, a Weekend at Bernie's, although we do need to watch Weekend at Bernie's. I think we watched it, and we turned out it was pretty, didn't hold up well. I can't remember, actually. We watched this week Schindler's List and 12 Years a Slave. Holy crap. Schindler's List, you know, I've watched it several times, and it's a great, great tragedy. But I don't know, man. That 12 Years a Slave just punched me in the gut in a new kind of way. I don't know what it was but filled me with rage. Rage and saging. <laughs> that didn't work. Sage of the rage. A mage, but not a page. Breaking out of a cage. Look, these are all rhymes from my childhood. <laughs> Fourth graders came up with those rhymes. Twelve Years a Slave is... A nightmare. A nightmare. It's about a guy who gets kidnapped, a black guy, kidnapped, and forced into slavery for 12 years. A free man. Nothing happened to the kidnappers, of course, because black people couldn't uh, go to court against white people back in the day. Don't be stupid. That's just stupid. Allowing black people to sue a... <laughs> oh. Luke Linden dropping the real, real, real rhyme. Luke Linden says, despite your rage, you're still just a rat in a cage. Smashing pumpkins. That's it. Isn't that it, Luke? These artists, man, they really they have a way of pointing stuff out so succinctly. You're just a rat in a cage. You can't get out of the cage. But I was watching, as I'm watching the horror of 12 Years a Slave, I'm watching these two white people, these evil, 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 evil white people. I'm not saying all white people are evil. I'm just saying these two people who were white and evil. Surrounded by black people. And I kept thinking to myself, what the hell, man? Kill these fuckers. Kill them. When I'm yelling at my TV, kill the white people. And the wife, she, there was a whole speech she had. She's like terrified of that. I'm like, yeah, you should be terrified of that. Look, I'm just going to tell you the whole, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you spoilers. There's a woman, a black slave woman, begs the hero to kill her. And he won't do it, of course. And then she's like, well, I won't kill myself either. So why? Why is it that we allow ourselves to live a life as rats in cages? 
Why? Talked to a man yesterday, highly intelligent man, highly educated, highly attuned to technology, super useful, worked at a company, has been working at the same company for, I don't know, 20 years. Got to get a part-time job. He's now working 4 to 10 p.m. Shelvin Groceries. Or he's a, he's a, the guy that shelves food, you know, you know how there's a grocery store and then there's food and there's shelves. Well, he's the guy that takes the food and puts it on the shelf. The shelfer? What is that guy called? Guy that puts the food on the shelf. Stocker. He's a stock guy. (laughs) How is it? That guy has to get a part-time job. And I was like, well, are you getting paid well? I mean, there's these jobs. Everybody's paying good. It's like $12 an hour. I'm like, holy shit. So you're working your full-time job, and then you got to go out on the evening, 4 to 10, stock shelves, $12 an hour. Now, I don't know the company. I don't know what their situation is. But I have a feeling... They're just not paying good wages. I see it all the time. I see otherwise, you know, companies that are supposed to be ethical, care about their community. Giving shit wages. Shit wages. Treating people like shit. I was telling him, I'm like, you know where I've always kind of wanted to work is I wanted to try out uh, the uh, Amazon factory, Amazon uh, distribution warehouse. See what that's all about. And I might try it. He's like, you know, I had a friend uh, who worked at the Amazon, one of those Amazon distribution centers. And she, he said, she told him that... You have a half hour lunch or 20 hour lunch, 20, sorry, 20 minute lunch, 20 minute, 30 minute lunch. But if you're working at the front of the warehouse and the lunchroom is not the back of the warehouse, these warehouses are huge. After working a whole shift on your feet, I have a friend who's working there right now, 12 hours a day on her feet all the time. You have to book it down to the other side of the warehouse, eat your lunch, and book it back. But you can't run. If you run, automatically fired. So you just have to, like, do that speed walking thing. So as if you aren't tired enough, you want to take your break. Your break is on the other side of a huge warehouse. If you want your break, you got to earn it because you can't eat on the floor. You can't sit down and relax on the floor. Don't be stupid. There's only one place to eat in the lunchroom. Rats in a cage. Rats in a cage.
Do you feel it? Do you feel like a rat in a cage? Do you realize that all you are is a dollar sign to your country? That's all you are is a way for rich people to get richer. That's the only thing you're here for. Do you understand that? Or you're here to help more powerful, powerful people become more powerful. Tell me a place where that is not true. You will do the boss's bidding. And you will do what the boss says. When the boss says it and how the boss says it. Or you will be fired. If you dare run to your lunch break at Amazon Warehouse, you will be fired. You dare sit down and eat a snack on the floor, warehouse floor, you will be fired. And repeatedly, the people who are getting most abused by this system are poor people. The people that really need the money. A rat in a cage. Now. Take my houseless friends. Think they're in a rat in a cage? Sure, they got their own cage. But if you're going to have a cage, we all have cages. I got a cage. You got a cage. My houseless friends have a cage. Would you rather your cage be a cage created by you or a cage created by some rich asshole? Which cage is worse? I believe my houseless friends are closer to salvation than most of us. Their cage is just one drug or so away. Okay, Luke Linden coming down with an awesome uh, thought on the Tower of Babel. Cannot wait. Hey, Gary Mikes, what's up, buddy? I love when, uh, I love the comments. I love them. Is it possible that a homeless person got a taste of freedom and is hella reluctant to go back? You know what I've seen time and time again? I've seen homeless people go back into, 
going back into the, the regular world, get a job, get an apartment, and then go right back to homelessness. See it all the time. All right, Luke Linden. Here we go. Here we go. Luke says, Lewis Ginsburg tells this midrash. Midrash, if you'll remember, is a genre of storytelling. A midrash. Oh, yeah, a midrash. Okay. If you remember, is a genre of storytelling that rabbis tell to explain various passages. These stories, hold on. Uh, let's see. One second. These stories attempt to use a holy imagination to deepen our understanding of the Bible. This is so wonderful. Uh, Lewis Ginsburg tells this story to help us understand what could have happened on the Tower of Babel. Come, let us build us a city and a tower. Many, many years were spent building the tower. It reached so great a height that it took a year to get to the top. A brick was therefore more precious in the sight of the builders than a human being. If a man fell down and met his death, none took notice of it. But if a brick dropped, they wept because it would take a year to replace it. So intent were they upon accomplishing their purpose that they would not permit a woman to interrupt her work of brick making when the hour of birth came upon her. Molding bricks, she gave birth to her child, and tying it around her body in a sheet, she went on molding bricks. The Tower of Babel was one project that people came so focused on, they lost their humanity. There was no appreciation of God's stunning gift of existence. People wouldn't notice the spectacular sunrises and sunsets on the tower, only the brown bricks. People wouldn't notice the amazing variety of trees. They would only note them in a ledger as commodities to, the build, to build the tower. Food had no flair of flavor. It was reduced to a flavorless gruel that only had nutritional content for the workers. Wow. That's huge. And you know where I see that, Luke? The stars, man. The stars. We have washed out the stars. Most of us can't even see them, even if we would want to see them. They're gone. Luke says, of course we want out of such a system. Of course we need reminders that we're human beings and not human doings. Ooh, I forgot about that catchy phrase, human beings, not human doings. Do you, can you imagine what it was like sitting outside at night, just staring at the stars and thinking about what they were and what they represented? How often do you do that in your life? How often have you done it in your life overall? If you've done it more than a half a dozen times, you're probably ahead of most people. We must wake up to the realization that we are living in cages built by oppressors. 
to do their bidding. Okay? We must understand that if we have any hope of moving to the next level. Now, the question comes, what do we do with that knowledge? Who do we become when we wake up to the realization that we are in a trap, that we are in a matrix, if you will? What do we do with that knowledge? Now, in the movie The Matrix, you take the pill and you jump right out, right? You jump out, and now you're in the real world. It doesn't quite work that way in our universe. You wake up one day to realizing you're in a false construct. Okay? That you are living in a, a world. Let's see, this has me thinking of talking about the Bible, some stuff I've been reading about Paul. I'm going to see if I can Paul, Paul that up. So the first step, and you can use uh, AA if you'd like, the first step is to admit, let's see, what are they? The steps of AA. The 12 steps of AA. There we go, come on, come on now. We admit we're powerless over the cage. I've never liked that, that we're powerless. I don't know, man. Are we powerless? Well, let's just keep going down. Instead of using alcohol, we're going to use the cage. Step one, we admitted we're powerless over the cage, that our lives have become unmanageable. Okay? Luke says the vision is an... is. Economics of neighborliness, according to Wald, Walter Brugman, where we know the name of our neighbor and seek the common good. The only cage we have is the responsibility for one another. That's beautiful. I don't see how you can get out of all cages without dying. Your body is a cage. Your consciousness is a cage. Your mind is a cage but you can trade cages, right? And Luke here is suggesting that the cage we need to find is the cage of responsibility for one another. Step two, Alcoholics Anonymous. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. There it is. A power greater than ourselves. And what Walter Brugman and Luke Linden are saying is a power greater than ourselves is our community. 
Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So we let go and let God. And by that, and a lot of people have a problem with, um, you know, they like, uh, they, uh, let's see if I can find these notes. Let's see here. That they're like, well, you know, um, page 195, 200. Okay. Ooh, 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 ooh. Let's see. So, okay, I got one here, Luke. See what you think of this. That we need to let go of the idea that we must live in this cage of mass existence, industrialization, buying. $300,000 houses and paying for them with jobs that we do not particularly enjoy. All right, I want to read this quote out of the Universal Christ from uh, Richard Rohr. It's chapter 15. Here they're talking about, he's talking about Paul. Let me read this. Finally, Paul is trying to create some audiovisual aids for this big message which he calls churches, a term used by Jesus only twice, in Matthew 16 to 18 and 18 to 17, 18 verse 17, chapter, sorry, you get it, right? He needs living and visible models for this new kind of life to show that the Christ people really are different from mass consciousness, people who can be innocent and genuine and who can shine like stars among a deceitful and underhanded brood. In his thinking, we were supposed to live inside of an alternative society, almost a utopia, and from such fullness go out to the world. Instead, we created a model whereby people live almost entirely in the world, fully invested in its attitudes towards money, war, power, and gender, and sometimes go to church. See what I'm saying here? Paul's saying, cage is not the word I use for everything. The body's not a cage, it's a temple. My soul resides. Ah, I'm part. Okay, I dig that. I can dig that. Do you understand how we've got, turned it all upside down in our post-industrial community world that we live in? Totally dig roar, says Luke Linden. Me too, man. This guy takes me. I love it when people can take me on a psychedelic journey without having to use drugs. Richard Rohr does that for me a lot. That the church is not a building. It is a freeing way of living. And good theologians often do that. Yeah, they do, man. I love it. I love, I, I, I love when my brain is expanded, you know? 
I think I'm going to get back into psychedelics. I did acid once when I was in college, and it was great. Uh, but I think after, eh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm on an antidepressant right now, and I hear that that's not good. I hear that, like, um, doing antidepressants and uh, psychedelics is not a good mix. So, and I don't know if I really want to get off of my antidepressants to do that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's something I keep in the back of my mind. Church is a people, a movement, a community that's living counter-narrative to war, domination, et cetera, says Luke Linden. That is the message, right? Like when you go to church, when you go to see Luke at church, at the UCC, on the square of Medina, which you should do, he is there to remind you to give you a boost so that you can take the church with you after he inspires you. But what happens often, almost always, is that they just go for the hour and then they leave the church. They leave the church. They walk out of the church and leave the church. <laughs> we got to remind people that we need to be in that psychedelic mindset where, doggone it, where'd I go? Where we leave a world that is fully invested in money and war and power. We spend almost all of our time in the world of money, war, and power. And we fund that for a promise of something that you know is hollow. You know it is not fulfilling you. And that's why when I see my homeless friends dip in and out of homelessness and house and being housed, I know what's happening. They're like this is a this is stupid. This job is stupid. This apartment sucks. I'm surrounded by people I hate. I'm doing shit I hate. I'm going back to the woods. Because you know why? Because they took the pill and they realized that the woods is not as terrifying as we all think it is. They can live without money. They have transcended the system. Now, of course, the system hates that. The system then belittles them, berates them, tries to isolate them, and makes you hate them. 
Because if you found out what the houseless community knows, you might change some of your thoughts in the world. You might realize that there is a fulfilling life outside of that $300,000 house you own or don't own, just pay the bank on. Tony Patsy is here. What's up, Tony? It is great to see you. And the truth will come out that we don't need to live that way. And that is the huge fear. And may I say, we're seeing it in little drips and drabs, people that are not coming back to work after the coronavirus. They're like, you know what? Screw that. Screw people telling me I got to put a, they're going to force me to take an injection I don't want to take. They're going to tell me when and how to work and how fast to walk. Screw that. I'm just going to stay over here. Keep doing. Tony says, getting through this thing called life. I missed you, Tony. <laughs> just plugging away, right? You need to understand that you can live your life any way you want. If you're happy in your life, then perfect, like me. I don't think I could be happier. I have the right mix of work, family, societal contribution, trying to change the system, which is futile. Helping raise awareness about a cause that means something to me. Do you know this word, ikigai? I think that's the word. Ikigai. Not if a guy. I think it's called ikigai. Let me see. Ikigai. Yeah, here we go. There it is. Let me show you ikigai. One second here. One second. Let me just hold this sucker right up and show you. All right, Ikigai, Ikigai. Here we go. Let me get you a nice big image of Ikigai. All right, here we go. Let me open a new tab, maybe. There. Okay, now, Ikigai is a Japanese word. Japanese concept, meaning a reason for being, okay? Can I make that bigger? There, a little bit, okay. So here we have, I think this would be called a Venn diagram. 
Hey, Jane is here. Hi, Jane. It's so good to see you. Jane is living a meaningful existence. Uh, what, got 25,000 signatures on her petition, I believe. If you want to post your petition here, I'd love that, Jane. Uh, for, I believe, tiny houses. Is that the petition? Tiny houses in uh, Denton, Texas, I believe. I believe. I'm making all these things up. All right. So, Ikigai is, there are four circles, okay? You got love, needs, basically job. So, what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you are good at, okay? So, then, you can see over here, if you look between what you're good at and what you love, that's where you find passion. If you go from what you love and what the world needs, that's a mission. What the world needs and what you can be paid for, that's a vocation. And what you can be paid for and what you're good at is a profession. And then you can see these cool little areas where it gets a little bit rough. Like uh, 27,000 signatures on Jane's, <laughs> wow. Jane is going to get approved tiny houses in Denton before me. But I will say I already put a tiny house up. I'm just doing it illegally. I love Denton because I'm going to go over and look at Jane's petition here in a minute. Uh, hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. But I want to keep going through this guy deal. So, um, what you'll have is, like, if you, you can see here where if you, if, you, if you do what you love and what you're good at, you have satisfaction, but you might feel useless. If you do what uh, what you love and what you need, what, or, then you could be delightful and fullness, but no wealth. Like if you don't get what you're paid for, you see, so that where I was, what I was like, what I was good at, what I loved and what the world needs, that was me for two years when I was just running the homeless charity. And it was stressful. It was stressful because my wife was like, hey, man, uh, I'm running this whole house and I'm paying for a lot of this charity stuff. And so I went back to, I, you know, went back to our company so I could earn some money, you know. And so then, but then the downside if you're doing what you can be paid for and what you're good at, but not what you love, you, you feel empty. You're comfortable with feeling of emptiness, which I think a lot of people do. And then you can also, if you're doing what the world needs and what you can be paid for, excitement and com complacency, but a sense of uncertainty, it says. And then ultimately, if you can find the middle where you meet all these things, you've met Ikigai. Okay, where you have touched all of these areas. <coughs> and I've been very influenced by this 
<laughs> and I feel like I'm really close. What the world needs, what I can be paid for, what I'm good at. Now, what I can be paid for, I use by staying in my company, which I enjoy very much anyways. So that, like, I haven't, like, I suppose a complete Ica guy would be, for me, I would be getting paid for doing homeless work. But I've kind of decided not to do that. I've made a conscious effort not to take any money for my charity work um, because, uh, first of all, I think that people get resentful of that. They're like, oh, well, I'm just paying Sage's salary. I really want to just help homeless people. And secondly, I sort of feel like um, it lessens the spiritualness of the work. So for me... I have found where I'm happy right now is I'm still doing marketing work for a few clients that I really enjoy working for. And then I do this like outreach work and that sort of thing, you know? So um, that where I am right now is incredibly fulfilling. And I feel like I'm pretty close in this Ikigai circle. See? Now let's go over and look at uh jane's um here let's oh let's watch her video look at this hi what's your name my name is shay yeah and how long have you been on the street about two years mm -hmm. and what do you think of the tiny house village concept i think the concept is great i hope that it works out i really wish that you could make this into fruition you know like not just be a, a concept yeah. and uh it sounds like a great thing to me hi what's your name jacob norris and how long have you been on the street nine months oh wow and what do you think of a tiny house village amazing how he knows exactly this is what we want we want to be able to build something for the community do something for the homeless people and able to be there and have stuff for the community Good. Thank you. Uh -huh. My name is Joseph Reed. I'm 65 hey, years hi. old. I've been homeless approximately 10 years. 10 years. Jan approached me today with the idea of the tiny village, and I became immediately impressed with it. I have multiple skills that I told her that I like to use to help in the construction and the operation of it. I think it's a very good idea, and I, and I would like to see the city and whoever else get on board with helping making this project for real. You know what I love about a guy like that is, like, obviously he's very thoughtful, very smart, but he's also great on camera. Like, I, I, I run into all these homeless people that are great on camera. It's unbelievable. Is that good enough? Hi, what's your name? I'm Tony Parker. Tony Parker. Okay, and how long have you been on the street? I've been on the streets almost two months now. Look at this guy. Would you ever look at that guy and be like, yep, there's a homeless guy? No. Okay. Um, look at that shirt. Like, it looks pressed. What do you think of a tiny house village concept? I think that's a great idea. And I think it'll really work because we, the ones that's out here in the streets, and we kind of, our tents and stuff are structured kind of like how you're planning to do the tiny home. Listen to this guy, man village and i think that that's a great idea and it would work because we'd become more like a community more like a community you know banding together to help each other you know achieve our goals
that was actually what broke us up that uh our continuum care said that it was the community was too good and we were uh, people were loving being homeless so much that they wouldn't go into their stupid housing hi what's your name my name is greg eisworth yes and how long have you been on the streets one and a half years everybody knows Wow. I interviewed these people at the shelter. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And what do you think of the tiny house village? Well, I've been speaking to her, and uh, I believe it's a great idea. I believe it's a fresh start for the community. I believe it's going to do some good, and I believe it's a, a, a starting point for the people that are in need, that people don't understand that... Um, people don't understand. The homeless people, community, have... Uh, had a bad something happen to them. People don't understand, and they don't want to understand. Them in their life, and they they need to progress. And this is a great start, is what I believe. And my name is Greg Eisworth. And he approves that message. That see, what I love about that video is these are the stories that Continuum of Cares do not want you to hear. That the, 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 the homeless service providers are making all their millions, literally millions of dollars from the federal government by burying these stories. Okay? Ask any homeless person. Okay? Now look. We just, oh, did you see my video? Did you see my video? Now I want to show you my video. Hold on, let me show you my video. <laughs> What's the matter with me? Okay, hold on. Okay, check this out. Do you hear that sound? That sound is all because of you. That is a working shower, and the toilet's reseated. Uh, we have our, our stationary pipe tub. We just have to put uh, finalize that. But that's, I mean, they're using it actually right now. They're pouring water right out of here, but we can make it better than that. This is a huge move. All right, so to give you a breakdown of what this cost, uh, I think the toilet was, what, 100 bucks? This shower was the most expensive thing. I got the cheapest one I could get, but it was about 250 It came with... Uh, it came it, like it was this cool enclosure and it came with the handle and the shower head. Uh, I bought probably another $50 in parts and that uh, sink was just in the house for the homeless community. What are we at? Say 500 bucks of East Akron. A and I had homeless people put it together. Shower Thanks, and a toilet and a sink for homeless people in East Akron. Now, what and it's we did was in our house. This is in our, our house that we shelter three previously homeless people. And we put a door to the into the house. So, like, like, if you live there, then you can go into the house. But if you don't live there, then you can go down. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, Jane. Um, you then can go down into the basement area. And uh, it's always open. You go whenever you want. You go whenever you want. I have anything else to say about this? All because of you. Thank you so, so much. And what I you want you that? to know is, I've, I mean, look at it. It's it's not pretty. It's not beautiful. I didn't spend I didn't spend a thousand, you know, thousands of dollars on the 
aesthetics of it. But you know how I came up with this idea? I was at I was in the garden where we have tents, and I was talking to Andrew, and I was talking to Kenny. Okay, Andrew and Kenny live there. Okay. And I said, hey man, what would you like? I said this. I literally said this. And now, mind you, I've been working with homeless people for years. Okay? I consider myself an expert at a certain subsection of homeless people. Not, I don't consider myself expert on uh, people that live in shelters. I don't get a, to spend a lot of time with them, and I do think that's a, a group of homeless people that I'm, I just I don't. I'm, I'm like mostly the guy that deals with chronically homeless people, people that have been out for years. Okay? And I'm sitting at this picnic table with, 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 with Andrew and Kenny, who I consider very good friends of mine. I enjoy hanging out with them very much. And I said, hey, guys, what would you like? And Andrew started and said, you know, I would like to stop living like an animal. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? Interesting. Like, literally, this is news to me, okay? I have sheltered both of these men for years, but I never asked them the question, what would you like next? I never asked. Andrew says, I would like to stop living like an animal. And I said, wow. Yeah, that seems reasonable. What, what does that even mean? And he's like, I would like to be able to wash my hands. <laughs> this is news to me, okay? I, my, my, my brain is being rocked by this knowledge. I'm like, whoa. He's like, I would love to be able to take a shower. He's like, I'm tired of washing in the river because the river's full of E. coli and it's disgusting. I would like to wash my hands and take a shower. And I'm literally, after years of sheltering these people, this is blowing my mind because I asked. And then I, it's because I'm so now, I'm so pumped up. I go to Kenny and I'm like, Kenny, what would you like? And he's like, I would like to stop shitting in a bag. <laughs> I'm like, no. He's like, yeah, been doing it for years. I'm tired of shitting in a bag. So genius me. I'm like, okay, let's see here if I can, if I can put this equation, this, this, this profound equation together. Okay. Um, would like to wash their hands, would like to take a shower, and would like to stop shitting in a bag. Hmm. Hmm. Is there anything in society that does those things? I said to myself, I said, hmm. Why, I think there is something. I think there is a state-of-the-art tool that covers all of those things and by god we have a name for it and it's called a bathroom 
Where would the world be without smart white guys like me? And then I said, hmm, I wonder if there's any of these bathrooms around. I looked around, and I'm like, well, our house, it has a bathroom, but don't be stupid. There's people using that bathroom. And then I said, well, the building right over here has got, I don't know, a half a dozen bathrooms in it, but don't be stupid. I'm not allowed to have homeless people in there. The fire department will come and shut me down. But there is a basement in the house, and it actually is plumbed for a bathroom. And I went down there, and there was a shitty old toilet, and I took it out, and the, ba- the room that had the bathroom was all fucked up and terrible and disgusting. It took me, I don't know, an hour to clean out all the gross shit in there. We, I think we hosed it down or something, paid somebody to hose it down. Ran water through all the pipes. Turns out all the pipes work fine. I went over to Home Depot, got a toilet and a ring. It took me about a day to get a toilet set up. (laughs) Now, I do know I'm Mr. Fancy Pants with a shitty house and a basement that had plumbing in it. I know. I know. I know I am. I know I am fancy. I know all you guys can't be doing all that. None of you guys got anything like that. A basement with plumbing in it. Don't be stupid. I get it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an elitist snob. I got a basement in a shitty house in a shitty part of the city with some shitty plumbing. So I get it. I get why you can't do it. <laughs> but I did it, by God. And then, because I had an $850 water bill, because the city of Akron fucked up the entire billing of the entire city, I got set back a little bit, so I had to do a fundraiser for the shower. Now, I don't know what I've raised. 800 bucks. 900 bucks. So I have now paid for the shower plus some. Okay? Because I'm telling you, the whole thing probably cost me 500 bucks, and I did hire homeless people. I will say that. I hired, uh, 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 we put in two doors, okay? So I forgot about the doors. That's true. I put in a a door to block off the, the stairs, to the house, and then I put in another door because then I literally I saw Andrew down there shitting, and I'm like, "Hey, Andrew, how's the toilet?" He's like, "The toilet's great, but I could use a door." And I'm like, "Well, I'm really catching on here. I'm asking people shit, and they're telling me what they need." So I got another door. So I don't know. The project maybe ends up being a thousand bucks with labor because I hire people to put in the plumbing. I hire people to put in the doors. I, you know, it's a thousand bucks, whatever, whatever. There is now a fully functional shower and a fully functional 
toilet and I got to go get the plumbing and fix the do the remainder of the the uh 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 sink which the house came with all this pex this you know the pex stuff and I just get some shark bites and uh you know screw it in and it's you know it's super easy I like to do those sh shut off shark bites they're about 8 or 9 bucks each but they're so easy to use love it so That all happened because for the first time in my life, I asked a homeless person what they wanted after I gave them a tent. Okay, they had the tent. What they wanted next, it wasn't I need a free house. It wasn't I need uh, free anything. They just wanted a shower and a toilet and a sink. Okay. It's amazing what you learn when you talk to people. Amazing. Now, I have one tiny house. I just got a, a shed over at Sam's Club for 800 bucks. And I do want to move all my tents to tiny houses. And for, it's for one reason. People keep destroying my tents. They get mad at a person in the tent. They, I've had, I've had a tent burnt down. I had a tent, uh, tents get cut up constantly. I had a guy throw a bunch of two by fours on another guy's tent. I'm, I'm fine with tents. They're just, I need something when the big bad wolf comes. He can't just huff and puff and blow that tent down. And that's why I want to move to tiny houses. And I think they might be a little bit more insulated, you know, and they can have a lock on them, blah, 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 blah. So I think that's my next goal is to put up more of these tiny houses. I would like to get out of the tent business altogether, uh, at least on, in our garden, if just so they last longer. But... I got, what do I got? Two or three tents right now. They're fine. I, tents, and I'll tell you what I love about a tent. When a person leaves, I just take the tent that's all ragged and messed up, and I throw it in the back of my pickup truck, and I throw it away with all the junk in it, all the needles, all the gross crap. Just throw it all away. It's awesome. It becomes like a trash bag. It's wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> so... The thing is, people, the world is not going to get better for you unless you stand up and do something about it, okay? Yes, the traps that we have made for ourselves are difficult and challenging, but the first step is understanding the traps that we are in and then asking, what do we want instead? And that is where we need to head. All right, everybody, that's enough for one show. I will see you next time. Thank you so much for being here, and have a great day. Bye! Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide.